And welcome to Sounding Off with Kim Munson, our podcast. Be sure and check out my website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Sign up for our weekly newsletter while you're there. In studio with me is Stephen Peck. He is a, a great guest. He's a millennial. He is a former school director for Douglas County Schools. He's a school board member for Ascent uh, Academy, Classical Academy, and he is a lieutenant commander in the Navy Medical Service Corps. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here again. I love these conversations. You challenge me. You make me think, and I really appreciate that. You're a father of of three children. Uh, I have children as well, and I'm concerned about what we are passing on to the next generation. I know that it's it's on your heart. That's why you step forward into education to be on serve on these school board members, which I think is one of the most thankless jobs out there. But um, we're in a time right now in our country, Steve. What do you think? Yeah, it absolutely is a fascinating time. Um, it's a scary time, frankly, for me. When I talk to some of my friends and family members, some of the conversations are are conversations you never thought you would have. At least those are the conversations that I'm having. Um, you know, is Colorado the right place for me? Should should we should we continue to live in the community that we live in? Um, should we live in in a moral rural place? Uh, and and what's interesting, and, and then the big picture things like, can we still trust our government, both at the state level, at the county level, at, at the national level for sure? Could, do we have confidence in our three letter agencies anymore? Um, and if we don't have confidence and trust, what does that mean for the country? We, you know, we, we just had this massive election and and there's the partisanship has is as thick as it's ever been. But regardless of what the facts are and the facts are out there. Right. People say, well, you're entitled to your own opinions, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Right. And both sides can say that about the other side. And there's lots of acrimony and figure pointing both directions, you know, you're trying to steal the election. No, Trump's trying to reverse the election and steal it, you know, and, and the, the battle for legitimacy is so real. Several things. You, you've packed a whole bunch in here, Steve. First thing, I want to go back to this, and that is people are saying, should I stay in Colorado? I, I have a that. lot of people that are saying that. And in fact, I was talking to someone recently and uh, she raised her kids here, and her son and his fiance live in Oklahoma. She's an Oklahoma girl. They were going to, they wanted to come back to Colorado. They're, they're now saying, I don't think we want to go to Colorado. And She's I, leaving Oklahoma to come back to Colorado? They No, they're not now. They were <laughs> yeah. going to do that. Visit first. Yeah. <laughs> but now they're watching what's happening, and they've decided that they're going to stay in Oklahoma uh, because... This is no longer, remember how everybody would get their pictures taken on I-70, you know, next to the Welcome Colorado sign? Yeah. Now the, the, that sign should be replaced with for lease and for sale mm-hmm. because that's what we are seeing happen to our businesses here. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And, and if you're a small business owner, especially if you're in the restaurant business, but if, you're, if you own a gym, if you own a restaurant, if you own a, a barbershop, a salon, uh, any number of small businesses are under threat, but those are the ones that are closest to the target right now. And I just think I feel sympathy for them. And I feel like there's a lot of people, 
you know, that work for larger corporations, mid-sized corporations, or maybe small businesses that aren't directly impacted or as impacted as acutely, that are kind of standing on the sidelines to a degree that I don't think is acceptable. I think this is absolutely the time to step forward and buy local and and show solidarity with your local small business owners. We, My daughter and I, the other night, we went to the Tattered Bookshop, which judging by their prominently displayed books, don't share my politics, but I stand by their their right to exist as a small business and sell a product. We went from there over to Timbuktu Toys and we bought some toys. And one person on their own isn't going to make a difference. But if we as a city, as a metro area, decide to say, you know what, I'm going to pass on the 10% price advantage that I get by buying on Amazon and instead buy local at every opportunity I can, it will ma- absolutely make a difference. It will really help. And you bring up something interesting. We we talk about where we're going to go with this, and then <laughs> yeah. it just we go I different know, right? places. <laughs> it's true. So we're talking about small businesses and government and bureaucrats. So politicians and bureaucrats are using their power to shut down these small businesses. But yet I went by uh, the Target, which was over near Lucent and Highlands Ranch Parkway the other day. The parking lot was full. It's simply outrageous. And and to say outrageous is not to give serious enough. It's not a strong enough word. The only words are like tax and curses. It's not appropriate. It's not okay. And it's not okay to just say it's not appropriate. It's not okay. It's beyond that. It's immoral. It's absolutely immoral that big box stores like Walmart and Lowe's get away with this, but then a small mom and pop shop with no lobbying arm and no access to to influential politicians or decision makers, they have to abide by these arbitrary and capricious guidelines that change at the whim of people that you can't, they're not even elected. So there's no, there's no recourse. And this is, this is, this is not how it's supposed to be. It is not how it's supposed to be. And when you start to look back at the declaration and you see the list of grievances, it's like, Oh, we're here. Well, I'll be here. We are. Except for you're not saying, well, I'll be, you're (laughs) saying that that sounds a little leave it to be, but you're saying what the hell? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, we talked about it just before we went, uh, went on air, and that is just recently there is a restaurant and bar up in Lyons, Colorado called the Lion's Den. And basically they stayed open because that is their livelihood. And you mentioned others. People over here that, hey, you're working from home. I've, I've heard a number of millennials that are working from home. I work from home. That they say, well, what's the big deal with uh, with uh, closing down these restaurants and bars? I don't understand. Or how about people that have pensions or are getting their Social Security? They're like, mm-hmm. go ahead, close down. Oh, yeah. But what about if all of them had to take a 60% to 80% cut in, in what they were receiving. It's disgusting. It's so disgusting. So I work from home. So I'm, I, I am blessed, you know, beyond measure here that I, I'm insulated from a lot of this insanity. But when you think about what it takes, it's what's required to start a small business, not just the, the risk, the capital risk. You know, you, maybe you, you, you save for 20 years in the corporate uh, job, you've got a small nest egg, and you decide, I'm going to take that 401k money and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase a dream. And, and it's the, it's the elbow grease that you put in night after night, day after day. It's figuring out who, what your brand's going to be. It's, it's, it's getting your, your brand out there and it takes a long time. And now to have some jerk at a, a health board agency 
capriciously say you have to meet my demands when his salary comes from the very sales that he's trying to shut down. It's, it's astounding. I was talking to a small business owner that they received their bill from one of the health departments uh, that they needed for their licensing or whatever. And this business owner said, I am paying them $330 for them to come and shut me down. It's like, what's wrong with this picture? Everything's wrong with this picture. These bureaucrats rise and fall asleep every single day on government pension or government salaries. And then they get government pensions later. And that all comes that? from the private sector. Exactly. I mean, how do people not understand you're either you're taking or you're making there's there's I, I just don't I don't get it. All these teachers that are willing to shut down schools and and do remote learnings uh, in every every firefighter, every city worker, every cop, every governor, all these people make their salary because of private enterprise. It's that simple. Do people not understand that? Who makes the money? Who creates money and wealth? It's the private sector. Government doesn't create anything. Okay. I've been thinking what I'm not is, shouting at yeah, you, by no, the way. I'm yeah, just, no, I'm I, we're both getting is I see what is happening here is taking out the middle class. I see this assault on property rights. The beautiful thing, you, men, you mentioned the declaration, that mm-hmm. vision that all men are created equal. Okay, if we're all created equal, then how is it that uh, that the small business is not equal with Target or Costco and they get to stay open as well, right? It, that's what makes this immoral. That's, that's what makes it immoral. And, 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 and remember the quote, the 20th century quote, when they came for the socialists, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a socialist. Mm-hmm. And then they came for the trade unionist and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. And then they came for the Jew and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me and there was no one to speak for me. So while you can say independently, hey, my business isn't impacted by it or I work from home, what's the big deal? Just, you know, follow these guidelines and we'll get through this. They don't have the luxury of time. It's so interesting that you bring that up. But I, I was thinking that was Pastor Niebuhr. I, I think I forget who I think issued it was. the quote. But but I've been thinking of a version on that. And I have, have, I have this op-ed rolling around in my mind. And it is, first they came for our Second Amendment rights. <laughs> and I didn't say anything because I don't hunt and I don't own a gun. Right. And then they came for our churches. And I didn't say anything because I don't go to church. And then they came for my business or small businesses, but I didn't care because I'm working from home or I live on social security and a pension. And then I was talking to somebody about it the other day and she said, and then I ended up in the hospital and, um, nobody could come to see me. And, um, but I didn't care because I wasn't in the hospital, but then it gets down to, and then they came for me. Yeah. There was nobody there. I have a friend who does have a small business and there's still, I think there's 120 employees there and they're a uh, manufacturer in Michigan for large uh, defense companies, mm-hmm. brand name defense companies that we know, but he's a part supplier for these larger manufacturers. In Michigan. Yes. And what's interesting is I've noticed a change. There's an alarm and a sense of urgency, I think, because he recognizes that yeah, maybe he's not directly impacted today. Fast forward the tape 12 months from now. Yeah. 
And I mean, I just don't understand people. People want to put their heads down and pretend like, well, this, this, you know, this COVID-19 stuff. um, And once we get past the election, this will clear up or or uh, once the vaccination will come, then 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 this will clear up. I I think it's a false bargain. It is. a Oh, that's good point. False bargain. It is. They're telling themselves a narrative that I don't think is accurate. Well, it isn't. When Joe Biden says when he becomes president that there's going to be a nationwide mask mandate, uh, it's not going away. And then I, uh, Patty had pulled uh, for one of the headlines that some of the airlines are pushing back. Apparently, there are those that are pushing for papers, please, that you have your vaccination before you can get on a plane. Up here in Pitkin County, Aspen, yep. Yep. in order to get in, if you're going to spend the night... You have to present your papers. Can you believe it? It's un, I, I, you want to. I, I don't even know what to say because it's so ridiculous. It's like, how could you at least change the language? But no, don't. They're not even doing that. Where's your papers? Show me your papers. Where's your papers? Uh, and and when I see I, I think people are reluctant to even entertain the, 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 the thought here that we're talking about because it's alarming and people feel unsettled. And so the easier thing to do is to put both hands over your ears and just shake your head and just say, okay, this isn't happening. This will pass. I just got to get through this holiday. I just have to get through the election season. I just got to get my kids back to school when summer comes. You know, I don't know. We set up these false deadlines. Mm -hmm. It's not, there is no Calvary. The Calvary is here. The Calvary is you, the listener. It's you. Don't, you know, if you're looking to the governor or your mayor or your county, your local representative or your pastor to change things, you, the listener, have to speak up and conversation by conversation, push back on on the bogus narratives that are out there because they're not true. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the narrative. I I was talking to another millennial yesterday and the thing about the COVID-19 Wuhan China virus. Yes. Is there's... just enough truth in it that makes it difficult, keeps us unsettled, because we know that it's a a virus. We know that it's real. Of course. Although I've been watching the numbers two weeks ago, I think it was last Wednesday, was uh, supposed to be, or last Wednesday, it was supposed to be the peak. I'd made a note on my calendar that two weeks earlier, they said that we're going to have a peak in two weeks. We didn't. Oh, come on. We didn't. We You're didn't. not taking the experts seriously still. Remember, they were saying there was going to be uh, two, two million deaths. Now they're saying there's going to be another 200,000 deaths before the end of the year. I'm watching the numbers. Now, the only way I think that that's going to happen is if you have health departments start to... Bunch the numbers, yes. expand definitions for yes. what qualifies. Exactly. Well, that's what they do. That's what they do. I mean, I kind of, honestly, I haven't been tracking. Good for you for being so diligent and following up on well, it. Patty's I, doing it. Okay. Well, <laughs> but but I, I kind of, honestly, I stopped tracking. I had a spreadsheet out. I was tracking them myself because um, I just wanted to see day by day what this, mm-hmm. this curve was going to look like. And I got about 40 days in and I said, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I stopped because- all their projections, all their prognostications turned out not to be true and not by a little, by a lot. So, well, and speaking of this, this was back in the springtime. There was a nursing home here in the metro area that sent a letter to their residents as well as the residents' families, their community. 
and said that we've had something unprecedented happen. And that is, is yes, we have had uh, some COVID cases in the facilities, but we had the Colorado Department of Health and Environment came in and actually overrode the uh, attending physician or the coroner's cause of death to put down COVID. And I have a copy of that letter. And uh, actually, uh, we had a district attorney that uh, looked into it and said, oh, nothing to see here, which I found somewhat frustrating. But I have a copy of that letter. What do you make of that? I make that they, I, what I make of it is that they were inflating the numbers to try to scare people. So, so a listener might say, what, is Kim and Steve suggesting some sort of grand conspiracy? And speaking for myself, I don't think you have to have a grand conspiracy. I can just, I think people, there are people who are um, very eager to goose the numbers. And I don't know why. Um, Power and control. Maybe that's as simple as that. As simple as that. And, 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 and of course, you know. Well, I, and fear. Because if people are fearful, then you have power and control. Right. You do. We do. I, I, is it... it I'm just disheartened to think that there are that many people that are that power hungry that they want to see uh, other people just under the thumb. If, you know, I don't know if it's that many people. I think that there are people in powerful positions. But when you look at let's let's move over to something positive. Yeah. And that is that Donald Trump, it looks like he received 10 million more votes. Yes. In 2020 than he did in 2016. My friends, this is unprecedented. Obama received, and I think you're the one that yes. brought this to my attention, received less votes yeah. in 2012 than he <laughs> did in 2008. Right. And so we really think that Joe Biden outperformed uh, Obama significantly to override those 10 million dollars or excuse me those 10 million additional votes it doesn't take a rock t scientist to figure out this doesn't match up no no and if you think about what was happening right before the uh the election right trump was uh going to three or four states a day holding Can massive rallies and 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 and, and 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 i remember thinking cuz i was door knocking here in colorado and I asked the campaign, the state campaign, the, uh, the Trump's footprint here in Colorado. I said, uh, you know, we're hitting a lot of doors. And they said unprecedented numbers of doors. Like we had hit, these are approximations. We had hit something like the, to you know, total number of doors that we had hit by late August was more than the entire cycle in 16. Uh, and so we were, we were, there was a massive get out the vote effort here in Colorado. And, um, and then I said, well, what are Democrats doing? You know what they were doing? What? Nothing. They were doing nothing, or at least not anything on the campaign. Can <laughs> they you were, say 62 of the 64 counties in Colorado? All have, uh, Dominion uh, yes. voting systems. Yes. We're, 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 we don't know for sure, but I find it curious. More than curious. Uh -huh. More than curious. I mean, I'm sure if you haven't had Joel Altman on your show or if you haven't talked to Joel Altman, you know, you probably probably guess you should I, have. He's he's uh, he's the one that broke the, the local story here. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, and I, 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 you know, if you haven't talked about that, I'll save that for him. But, um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, then it probably is. And so, you know, I. I had a, a friend who, who said, was, you know, he was kind of taken back that, that, that people actually thought that there was uh, uh, any kind of election fraud. And I said, 
are you kidding right now? I mean, look, have you looked at the evidence? Um, and I think what's happening are these dual universes because our, our news sources are so divergent and bifurcated now that, that what, what one person reads and consumes in, in one house could be completely and diametrically different than the neighbor right next to them. Okay. We have a responsibility on this. This is something I've struggled with probably since before you were born. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, when did we stop as individuals searching for truth? When did that happen? Because it, and it happened when we started to get into relativism, yes. moral relativism. You have your truth. I have my truth. So if your truth is, is two plus two is five, I'll accept that. It's like, this is a bunch of nonsense. We have, we have adhered to this. And I'll tell you another thing that's been really frustrating for tell me. me. You're getting me tell going. Me. Tell. And that is how conservatives and Republicans sit around and say, how do we appeal to the unaffiliated, unaffiliated voter? And I'm like, hold on. And, and the yeah. unaffiliated, they stand there and they say, you know, like romance me. It's like, right. wait a minute. Right. You've got a responsibility to search for truth. Yes. And I'm a little tired of having to message to them. It's like, buck up and start to search for some truth. Well, but we live on, I completely agree with every uh, syllable there, but we live in a post-truth age. I don't know if um, you're familiar with the late Ravi Zacharias. Absolutely. Okay. So if you've listened to his sermons at all, if you've listened to his- he passed on just recently. He did. He was a hero of mine and he continues to be a hero of mine. And um, his whole- You know what? Let's tell his story just a little bit. Sure. He grew up, I think- India. In in India, Bombay, uh, which- Is, uh, why am I blanking on it too? It's not Um, New Delhi. I can't remember remember the modern name for- I know. Can uh, you believe that? No. Anyway, he grew up uh, in India. And when he was, I think, a late teenager, he contemplated suicide. I mean- getting really close to it. And the good Lord spoke to him. He did. Yeah. He, the way he tells it, he's on a bed of suicide, ready to end it all. His dad was a, uh, a, a, a fairly senior government official. Um, I think in their state department in India state department. And, um, he felt like he never quite met his father's expectation expectations. And, um, and he came across a Bible, and I, I forget the exact circumstances how he came across it, um, but through a specific text that he came across on this bed of suicide, um, he had a conversion, and, and not only was it a con- conversion, but he ended up entering into the ministry and had a it was just an unbelievable um, forty-plus-year career in ministry, going around the world. Speaking to movie stars, speaking to uh, diplomats, speaking to military generals, uh, speaking to politicians. I mean, he, he uh, going to university campuses and his his main um, the thrust of his ministry was apologetics for the gospel and which making the, the which is the defense of the right the to gospel. make a defense for the gospel and f- do it from a point of 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 reason and and a point of um, 
scientific respectability. One of my favorite things that he said that that I love to bring up again and again, and I, I have brought this up in real conversations. I had a conversation once with a guy. We were having lunch, and we didn't know each other real well, but but the the topic of, you know, came off from weather and, and sports to more serious things. And um, he said that he was a, an atheist and, and kind of said that in passing. And, and uh, the conversation matured to a, a little bit more. And I, I remembered one of the things, the, the conversations, or the podcast from Ravi, and this is going a little bit off track, but it's a good story. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, he said, I asked him, and this was not my thought. This was this was Robbie's. I, I asked him, "Do you believe in in uh, that there's evil?" And the guy that I'm eating with said, "Well, yeah, I believe that there's evil." And and I said, "Well, if you believe in that there's evil, then doesn't it follow that you believe that there's also good?" And he said, well, "Yeah, I believe that there's good and evil." And I said, "And if you believe that there's good and evil, doesn't that presume?" A moral law. And if there's a moral law, doesn't that presume a moral law giver? And when you go down that track, you all of a sudden get back to the heart of things, which is there are absolutes and there is truth. And it sometimes takes work and effort and diligence to find truth. But you're right. We have a moral obligation to find it. And sometimes we miss the mark, but that doesn't mean we surrender and throw up our hands and say, there is no truth. There's your truth, there's my truth, there's her truth, there's his truth, there's Xi's truth. And and I think that's why we're in such a situation right now. However, again, there is hope. When you look at how the American people stepped up at this election, I, there's just such great hope in this whole American idea. wanted to speak to something on truth. And you might have been at this event several years ago. It was the leadership program, uh, the Rockies, their event down at the Broadmoor. And Harris Faulkner who is on Fox News, although I've been a little frustrated with her lately, but she's impressive. And she said something about truth. And she said that the truth is the facts with context. And she gave the example that here we are in this ballroom, and there's a couple that got up and had to leave. And uh, hold on. uh, We're here in this ballroom, and a guy came in and took a purse off of a, a... a chair and left and the headline could say man takes purse from table at ballroom which would imply stealing right sure okay so that is a fact man came in took purse right but the context is is the couple had to leave early they got out to the car she said honey i forgot my purse he says oh i'll go back and get that for you so man goes to ballroom takes purse but the context is it was his wife's purse. And that really struck me is the truth is the facts with context. That's right. That's right. And do we have a media now that provides the context or are they in a rush to support the narrative? That's and, the question. And, and now we have evidence of, I mean, some of our schools of journalism have been getting substantial gifts from overseas. And I just wonder to what extent, I mean, the, the journalism's always had a bend, a political bend, but is it possible now that there's something more nefarious at stake here? When you have um, schools of journalism 
that are being given huge gifts from some of our our our, our opponents overseas. Does, is that concerning to anybody? Because because it, it is should to me. Be, yeah, right. So, so that's just one example. Um, and I think people used to get into journalism to to be you know beat reporters. Maybe they had uh, they wanted to to get the news out. Now we have activists, and I don't know if you heard the White House press secretary the other, you know a couple of weeks ago, but she said she she was asked a question, and her response was, you know, I don't respond to activists. Oh, really? I yeah. missed that. Yeah, she did. Um, so I don't know if she had a particular axe to grind with that reporter or, or whatnot, but um, it's gotten to the point now where yes, there there are these these there these two universes, and the chasm is so wide now that when we use words or labels that they're kind of shorthand for they're lazy shorthand and we all do it i i try to avoid it but when you use um it's the, the it's the battle of language right because if you use a word really it's shorthand for a whole body mm -hmm. of philosophy you know when you say i'm just to pick up you know i'm pro-choice or i'm 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 pro-life that that very Those, brief phrase goes a long oh my way. goodness yes. yes right so so you it's hard to have a rich dialogue with somebody when you're not able to drill in past that initial label i'm pro life and so the next question would be why but a lot of people won't ask why and i almost got to a point with a very leftist friend of mine she said to me I hate Donald Trump. I cannot understand how you, you are smart and whatever, and I can't understand how you would support Donald Trump. And I said, how about at the next time we get together, I make the case. I thought I'd make an apologetic. I'd make a defense of, of why I was supporting him. And we never got that opportunity. COVID-19 hit, and she never reached out to me, which I, I was frustrated about that. At least a phone call to say, why? Why? Um, and so that's something that is concerning to me. But but we can't be... A f Fatalistic or defeatist? Well, that, but we also can't give up in this battle of ideas. We need to continue to make the case. It takes a lot of work. For me, she could say, I hate Donald Trump. Okay, sentence there. But for me to make a defense... It's a lot more work. I have to know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, it is. It's a lot <laughs> easier to just knock things down. Oh, he's an idiot. She's a fool. Whatever. You know, you have to now say why that's not the case. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is. What, we do have a, a war on information right now. And I think it's interesting because we've had colonels who have spent entire years, you know, making testimony about what their findings are. Mm -hmm. Their craft is informational warfare. And I think that we're experiencing informational warfare. We've talked about censorship on your show from mm -hmm. some of our media platforms. We've talked about media and and uh, the the different spheres, the different echo mm -hmm. chambers that we're all in. I I just have a different echo chamber that I'm in. I'd like to believe that I'm I'm searching for truth, and I think I am. But somebody could say, well, Steve, the reality is, look at where you get your news sources from. They're very different than mine. And I would say. That's right. They are very different. 
But the thing about it is, is you know what their news sources are saying. Yes, that is the difference, isn't it? That is the difference. Yes, I've tried to explain this, and I, I don't know how to um, put it uh, succinctly, but yes, the left, uh, we know what the left says because it's the air we breathe, but they don't know. They don't know the stories that we know. So we have the benefit of, of seeing both sides of the wall, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I believe, right? So I know what the AP is saying. And even if I don't want to, I probably know what CNN's saying. Okay. That, that, because it's part of the popular culture that I also know what Epoch Times is saying. I know what Eric Metaxas is saying. I know what uh, Ted Cruz is saying on the verdict. You know what Kim Munson is saying. I know what Kim <laughs> Munson is saying because I'm on the other side of the wall. But for those people who don't do their due diligence or are on one side of the divide, they only get the chyron at the bottom of MSNBC or whatever the favorite news source is. And, and then the one, most desperate situation is those that Americans that can't even be bothered to look at any news. That People magazine is their news. Their news. I want to tell you a quick story. I can't, I don't think I told you this on one of our last podcasts, but I was, uh, this was before this most recent lockdown. Um, and I was at a, an establishment and ended up talking with a woman who said that she is a Donald Trump supporter. However, she used to be a Democrat. She uh, studied women's studies, which you know, normally, and actually I've, I've run across a couple of women that studied women's studies. They admit this? They, they do. And they're now staunch conservatives. <laughs> which I, I which, was it a Phyllis Schlafly book that they ran across <laughs> at some point? I mean, well, what happened with this woman then is I said, so she said women's studies, and I did the same thing. I'm like, really? <laughs> Tell me your story. Yeah. And she said it all began with the whole COVID 19 thing. She said I work two different jobs, and uh, they're shutting my my businesses down. And I'm a single mom, and I looked at one of the very first. Um, pressers, the um, uh, press uh, conferences yep. that they had. And she said, here were all these officials standing next to each other without masks telling us how deadly this thing was. And she said, I don't believe them. And at that point, she started to dig to other news sources. And the more she read, the more conservative she became, so much so that she was wearing her MAGA mask through the airport when she traveled recently. Wow. Yeah, you start There's to hope. pull on the string. You start to pull on the string. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for you know, uh, Cheryl Atkinson. is She's a... going to be on. What? Yes, on Monday. You're kidding. I've had her on several times. She is awesome. Yes. Tell her I'm a fan. I'll tell her. I will tell her. Okay. Um, uh, Cheryl Atkinson, you know, has been on this for 15 years. I know. There are other. He spied on her. Yes, they did. She was at her computer, Steve, and the government had come in and hacked into her computer, and she's looking at her computer, and her cursor's moving around, and she doesn't have her hand on her cursor. How creepy is that? That, And I I asked her, I said, were you scared? She said, I got mad, and she's been a warrior. She's She's a pit bull. She is, I mean, she has a voracious uh, appetite for the truth. And tracks it down wherever it goes. She on on on. And if you're on, I follow her on Parlor, and she has consolidated basically. Like here are, here are the states right now. The half dozen states that are currently under, um, you know, challenge. 
and and she gave an update on on all these states. And that's about the only way you can do it. You go to a source like Cheryl Atkinson, who, you know, she can't be bought and she's not going to back down. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of say, OK, here we are, mm-hmm. December 8th. Where is the state of play for Georgia? And then, you know, she's got it right there and she can, you know, I trust her as a, as, I trust as a her too. source. That's awesome it, that it, you're having her it on doesn't, the show. It doesn't mean that people don't make mistakes. Of course. It doesn't mean they're perfect. But what it does mean is that you can bank on the fact that they are searching for truth and clarity. And if they get it wrong, well, we do the same thing on the show. If we get it wrong, we'll come back and clarify. Right. But you can take that to the to the bank. We've got about five minutes. I love these conversations. At some Absolutely. point in time, I think these uh, Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcasts are really going to really go. Yeah, I, and- I love them too. I, I appreciate uh, the, the time here. I just, you know, I think when we talk to our family members and we talk to our, 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 our business partners and our, our parishioners, we have to, you know, demand a, a certain level of integrity amongst ourselves that, that we will insist on the truth and that we will push forward. You know, we might not arrive at the same conclusion. It's not always about agreement. You know, Des Prager talks about clarity. Integrity. Yes. That is great. Integrity in the conversation and intellectual curiosity. Right, right. Will you at least, you know, I've been saying people would rather stare at a lie than glance at the truth. I think they're alarmed by what they might find if they glance at the possibility and start to pull this string like your friend Mm -hmm. did. You start to pull the string and you're like, oh, boy, this string's a little bit longer than I thought. And, oh, what does it mean for us as a free people, um, if you if we have these problems, it means well, it means that we have to roll up our sleeves and do more work than we've been doing. We have to engage in this battle of ideas. Words are important. You mentioned uh, the battle of language. Mm-hmm. We have acquiesced on that. We have to take it back. And uh, so, final thoughts. Mm-hmm. I I love having these conversations with you, Steve Peck. Yeah. Final thoughts are: keep your head up. If there's a board to join in your church, join it. If there's a conversation to have with a friend, have it. You know, we we cannot surrender on any, not even one foot in any arena. And and you have to take back truth and you have to take back language just one person at a time. You've, you've nailed it. And that's why we do the show, these podcasts, these op-eds. Uh, to help you get your brain around these issues so that you can engage in the battle of ideas with your friends and your family and your colleagues. Stephen Peck, thank you so much for joining this Sounding Off with Kim Munson podcast. Absolutely. Take care. And to each of you out there today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you and God bless America.